Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, we're talking about human rights and needs, one of the 10 categories from the Winnipeg's Vital Signs 2017 report. Up first, for those interested in standing up or marching for equality, we'll be speaking with Sheila Hansen and Basia Sokal, some of the organizers for the Women's March that's happening here in Winnipeg this weekend. We're going to talk about why it's important and how you can join. And then, Kids Help Phone recently announced that it'll be launching a brand new texting service next month, and it's being piloted here in Winnipeg. We'll speak with Elisa Simon, Kids Help Phone's Vice President of Counseling Services and Programs, to learn all about it. Then, Rick Frost, the CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation, will join us in studio as well. The Winnipeg Foundation recently celebrated an unprecedented 2017, distributing more than $38 million to the community. We're going to learn more about that and how the foundation will be working to address important community issues in 2018. And finally, we'll speak with the executive director of Tripwire Media Group, Doug Darling. He's returning as a coach in the 2018 installment of Fast Pitch, and we'll talk about what he's expecting from this year's version of Dragon's Den for the philanthropic sector. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today as we are almost every Thursday, Saturday. Robert, how are you doing today? Doing not too badly, Nolan. How about yourself? I'm getting over a little bit of a chest cold, kind of. You can kind of hear it in my voice. Do I sound yeah. a little more nasally than normal? Maybe a little bit. I'm yeah. going to apologize to everyone out there for not being my sultry, normal self. I'm a little, a little more nasally and it's kind of unfortunate. I've got a bit of a cough, so... I apologize if I just burst into cough, a coughing fit here. I'm going to do my best to not spread my germs onto you, Robert, so you don't get sick. How's I'm that? prepared to duck if I need to. We should maybe get a bubble boy style something here, just a, a some sort of plastic sheet that I can live inside so I don't infect people with my with my sickness. But it's going out. It's going around these days. I've, everyone I talk to is like, yeah, you know, I know somebody who's recently got a bit of a cold or a little flu or something. So if you out there are currently down in the dumps, maybe home from work or staying home from school. I feel your pain. I absolutely do. What's happening on today's show, Robert? What are we going to be uh, talking about? Well, we've got a really great show today. We're going to be focusing on human rights and needs. So um, as with our uh, last 10 shows of last season, we're diving into each of the categories of Winnipeg's Vital Signs 2017. We had health, healing, and well-being last week. And, uh, and this week is Human Rights and Needs. So Winnipeg, of course, a center for human rights in Canada. We've got the Canadian Museum for Human Rights here uh, and various human rights organizations like the Human Rights Hub as well, which was actually a Emerging Leaders Fellowship project uh, that the foundation supported. That's how that got started. Um, one of the many groups that are pushing for more rights, uh, more human rights, and particularly more rights for women, is the Women's March that's happening this Saturday. So after our first musical break, we're going to hear Sonny Primolo's conversation with two of the organizers of the event to hear about why they're doing it and what we can expect. So hopefully uh, the weather cooperates this weekend. I know the weather's been all over the place, going from minus 30 to minus 6. Um, but hopefully there's some nice weather this weekend, and uh, hopefully there's a great turnout uh, for that event, and we'll learn a little bit more about it after our first song. We're going to start things off with Fiedler and the Pops with Cold Cold Heart right here on River City 360. 
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Up next is our very own Sonny Primolo's conversation with Basia Sokal and Sheila Hansen, two of the organizers from this weekend's Women's March. Sonny? Today I have with me Sheila Hansen and Basia Sokal, who is the organizers of the upcoming Women's March this weekend. Welcome to the show. Thanks Thank for you. Us. For all our listeners out there, what exactly is the Women's March? The March is an opportunity for women all over the world to demonstrate things that they think are missing from society, such as respect and justice, and it's a way for them to come together as a group and make their voice heard. As far as you know, how did it all start? So I think the premise of this March is to follow up on last year's event uh, where in Winnipeg and all around the globe, women celebrated uh, together. Uh, it wasn't particularly a, a great celebration where we, we got together and to denounce the uh, the Trump administration initially, what was the premise of the march. Uh, so this year we are doing things a little bit differently, and uh, but we do want to recognize that January 20th is very symbolic, and there are a lot of women around the globe still partaking in the event, so we found it's uh, it's very appropriate to continue the tradition of the first year anniversary, essentially. Absolutely. How did you both get involved? Let's start with um, you, Basha. Okay, so I was approached uh, by Sheila, who I know through various of my involvements in social justice movement in my union um, and as Labor Council president. And uh, I guess there were some technical questions, and I was part of the the march uh, last year on January 20th. I actually helped uh, volunteer marshal the march. Mm. So I was involved... But there's actually a lot of women involved this year, so it's not just us two. I do want to highlight that there there is a large group of women. Um, but I was approached, and of course, uh, it's something that I strongly believe in, and I think the, the women's movement still has a long way to go. So I, I was pleased to, to be asked to participate. Awesome. And for yourself, Sheila? I was really looking forward to the march this year because I had to miss it last year. So I saw the advertising um, originally from March On, which is uh, an organization, a Canadian organization containing some of the original uh, organizers from the Women's March last year. And I was asking them who was um, organizing this year, and there was nobody. Mm. So because I had never done it before, and I'm a bit of a signer upper I said well you know I'd be glad to do it and I had no idea what I was getting myself into so um, thank goodness everybody else has come along in the past two weeks and really made a difference because I wasn't getting anywhere it must have been rather daunting actually it was stack. so stressful <laughs> I was just falling asleep or trying to fall asleep thinking about a march where nobody showed up <laughs> <laughs> so as you mentioned uh, earlier uh, the women's march isn't just happening here in winnipeg but there will be marches happening all over the world in solidarity for the same cause what is the overall goal for the march here in winnipeg yeah i think uh, essentially what we want to do is we want to keep getting our message out um you know we talk about the women's movement and how we've come a long way you know we've talked about women's rights voting rights for example here uh, a lot of people don't know that even in manitoba um, women haven't had the right to vote only since 1960 mm-hmm. and and prior uh, not even aboriginal indigenous women were not allowed to vote so if if we think that we're our work is done we have a long way to go i mean it's it's not even been a hundred years of of gaining the right to vote for all women here so i i think the message is to um continue educating the public and we might think that women here have you know a pretty pretty decent life uh for the most part i mean there is uh you know the me too movement 
uh, that's at the forefront. There, there's a lot of things that women face, but not just here, around the globe. There are women facing uh, much more challenges than, than women here. So it's an opportunity to raise awareness of not just the issues here at home, but around the globe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard the Women's March isn't just about bringing women together, but people of all genders, ages, races, cultures, political affiliations, and disabilities. So am I right by saying that anyone is able to join you here on the march? The more the merrier when it comes to something like this, definitely. So how many people are you expecting to take part this year? Well, if all of Winnipeg shows up, that'd be great. Uh, <laughs> that means, uh, you know, our, our work is is working. Um, but we are hosting it at City Hall, as uh, I'm not sure if you know. So if we get a couple hundred folks, that's great. It is uh, it is January in Winnipeg, so I, I understand that not everybody is able, and we recognize that not everybody is mobile. And there are also the issues of um, safety and anxiety. So uh, while there are women and allies and those that identify as women that would love to participate, we recognize that those folks might not be able or might not be comfortable to, to participate. So I believe that there's also an option for an online, uh, online march, awesome. uh, which isn't organized by, by our group. But, uh, you know, just in solidarity and showing support, uh, participating, even just expressing your your concerns at home or voicing your your concerns online. Most definitely. You mentioned that it begins at City Hall. So where does the march take you? So like, can you kind of give us an idea of where you will be going and exactly when this will be happening? Well, it it is still only planned as a rally. So last year, from what I understand, because I wasn't there, there was no organizing and everybody just took it upon themselves to march. Um, we, as organizers, don't have that plan. We'll see what uh, participants have. Um, it's going to start at 11, at 11, sorry, and it'll go till 1, weather dependent. It should be nice. And this would be on January 20th. On January 20th, that's right. So I just wanted to add, um, while traditionally it would have been a march, again, mm-hmm. with limited time and resources, why we decided to have it uh, at City Hall is because there is an opportunity for us to march, um, you know, with limited resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, city Hall spans a city block. Uh, there are no intersections impeding um, those that may be, uh, you know, may not be mobile or, or may need assistance. So if the weather allows, uh, we will be marching around uh, around City Hall, essentially the city block. Um, again, we, we do want to be mindful of those that cannot participate in that. Absolutely. So I, I believe that uh, it is important to have also just a rally because uh, not everybody is able to walk, you know, the length of Portage and Maine to, you know, say Portage Place or, or any distance for that matter. So we will have, uh, you know, chairs available for those that perhaps might need to sit down. Awesome. Uh, it's obvious to me why people should, but how can people get involved with the march? Well, um, at this point, the websites for um, March On and the Women's March are how they're connecting people with us. I'm hoping that next year we can start organization earlier, maybe around September, something like that. And um, I think at that time I'll, I'll set up a, a web page or a Facebook page to see if I can gather some more women involved and not have this totally hectic uh, two-week period of pulling your hair out and trying to get people to, to come together on this. So, For those interested, uh, what would the website be that they can... 
or the Facebook page. Yeah, um, I think it's. I think it's March on Winnipeg. Well, I'm thinking Winnipeg's um, Winnipeg's Women's March. Winnipeg's Women's March. The thing is that uh, Women's March is now incorporated, so um, I'm not sure I can even use those two words, which is difficult. So we'll have to see what we can come up with, but my name is Sheila Hansen. They can always find me on Facebook, too, if they want to. somebody wants to get involved. Winnipeg in January can be quite extreme, as we all know. Uh, For those wanting to join the march, how can they prepare so that we can ensure that everyone is safe out there? Do you have any tips? Dress like a Winnipegger. dress warm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Definitely dress warm, and uh, a lot of people forget that even though it is winter, it's extremely important to stay hydrated. That's not something that we think of in the winter. Um, but it is extremely important. So whether that's, you know, bringing some tea or a hot chocolate or a coffee, we always encourage, you know, reusable mugs uh, just to be environmentally conscious and, you know, you know not leave litter strewn about uh, on the grounds of City Hall. But uh, definitely dress warm. And even though they are calling for nice weather, when you are standing um, and, and not moving around, even, you know, minus six, as they're calling for, can, can be chilly quite quickly. According to the Winnipeg Foundation's Vital Signs Project, 23% of Winnipeggers have felt uncomfortable or out of place because of religion, skin color, culture, race, language, accent, disability, gender, or sexual orientation. As someone who was born in the city as a visible minority, I'd like to view our country as more of a mosaic rather than a melting pot where all our backgrounds can come together and create a bigger picture that is Canada. Organizations like Women's March Canada is helping us to reach that goal, but I think Sheila and Baja would agree that we still have a lot of work to do to make that happen. I would like to thank Sheila Hansen and Baja Sokal for being here with us today. But before I let you both go, is there something you would like to add for our listeners out there? Sure. I would just like to thank everybody for listening and uh, to take the opportunity to come out on Saturday uh, at 11 a.m. if they can at City Hall. And if you're not able to participate, uh, perhaps reaching out to some uh, community organizations that support women and those that identify as women, you know, uh, such as resource centers or the United Way or or the Winnipeg Foundation have a long list of organizations that support those services. So I'd, I'd really encourage those that are not able to participate on Saturday to at least reach out and perhaps make a donation or show their support by donating their time absolutely thank you both ladies thank Thank you thanks sunny and we wish everyone that's demonstrating at this weekend's women's march all the best coming up after the break kids help phone is launching a pilot project in winnipeg to help make their services available through text message river city 360 stacy cardigan smith spoke with elisa simon of kids help phone to learn all about it Before we get to that, though, here is Rose Cousins with Celebrate, right here on River City 360. Hook me up and call me fish bait You threw your line, I didn't hesitate I was looking for a clean slate Ways to uncomplicate my love And then you took me on our first First date We started early and we stayed up late You and I, now we can hardly wait It's time to celebrate our love I love you loving me When I want to be in bed by eight I love you Take your portrait I'm sorry 
conversation by RC360's very own Stacy Cardigan-Smith. She spoke with Elisa Simon of the Kids Help Phone to learn about a brand new pilot project that's launching in Winnipeg that's going to help kids uh, contact Kids Help Phone through text messaging. Stacy. First of all, uh, how did Kids phone, Help Phone know um, it was time to launch a texting service? Well, so Kids Help Phone has been around for 28 years or so, and we've been a leader in meeting the needs of young people um, who are seeking mental health support or well-being support. But the reality is, is that young people are changing very, very quickly, and their needs are changing, and the ways that they want to connect for support is changing. So we've known for a while that we need to continuously innovate to keep up with young people. Um, and so it happened about a year and a half ago that we really started looking at what should be our next service? What should we be doing to ensure that young people around Canada are able to connect for support? And texting just made sense. It's how young people connect with each other. Um, there are examples of texting services outside of Canada that we could learn from, and we just thought the time is now that we really delve into that as a way to ensure that more young people have access to the service and support they need. That's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, it, you're so right. Nobody ever picks up the phone hardly any anymore, right? Everybody's always texting. Yeah. So. That's great. So, um, I mean, the foundation is so excited to be supporting the pilot of this texting service. Why, why did you decide to pilot it here in Winnipeg? Yeah, so there were a, a lot that went into the decision to pilot the service within Manitoba. And part of it was that Manitoba has tremendous diversity, right? And so we really wanted to make sure that we were testing this service in a province that has rural and remote, that has urban areas, that has indigenous peoples in large numbers. We really wanted to make sure that this was going to be a service that was going to work for all different kinds of young people. We also have had great support from organizations, individuals, and places like the Winnipeg Foundation to really bring this 
to the province. Um, and we ultimately think this is going to be a huge solution for young people in Manitoba, but also all throughout Canada. Okay, that's great. So um, can you just like outline the numbers really quickly for me? Like how many calls do you get, or, or and I know you offer like kind of the online chat service. Um, how many, do you have the numbers about how many people utilize the service then, and, and then potentially how, might, how many might be utilizing the texting service? Like how, how many are you preparing for? Yeah, so right now, young people reach out to Kids Help Phone an average of 360 times per day. Um, and that's for counseling and information referral. We have about a million that come to our website to get information themselves, to find support that they can use. But the texting service is really meant for us to be able to significantly grow our capacity to serve young people. So this is really going to be a tremendous adjunct service. We're looking um, within the first two months of the service pilot to take at least 1,200 conversations. Um, but we really believe that this is going to grow quite large in Manitoba and throughout Canada. And part of why we're doing this trial um, is really to learn what demand is going to be. But we know that the model that we've built is scalable that as long as we continue to have support to grow this around Canada, that we will be able to keep up with, de with a demand in the way that we haven't been able to. Um, because up until this point, our live chat service, which is in tremendous demand, um, we're only able to meet about 30% of our demand through that service. And so we're looking at this texting service as a way to pick up the demand so that when young people have the courage to reach out to us, we are always there to answer. Yeah, that's that's so important. I can't imagine what it must be like if you if you can't get that help right away. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you you mentioned volunteers. Are you still looking for volunteers and what about if people want to get involved? We are still looking for volunteers and we would love them uh to get involved. Um so they can uh, anyone who wants to get involved with the service can come to the Kids Help Phone website and um the address is Kids Help Phone backslash texting dash volunteers. And we have a whole bunch of information about what it takes to be a volunteer, and there's also a link to the application that people can sign up. Um, and the trainings are happening every few weeks, so they can join at any time. And they can all, all of this work can be done from your home as long as you have a secure internet connection. And we'll be providing all of the backup, the support, the coaching, and ultimately the supervision to make sure that we're delivering the best possible service to kids. Huh. So do people volunteer from their home then as well, or is it just the training that happens from their home? No, they volunteer from their home as well. So we wanted to make sure we were making an opportunity to get engaged with Kids Help Phone and with providing support for kids as easy as possible. Huh. So okay. this allows people, wherever they live in Canada, uh, as long as they have a secure internet connection and they can pass the training and all of those other aspects, they can volunteer on their own time. It's a commitment of four hours a week for one year. But because this is a 24-7 service, we need people first thing in the morning before your kids maybe wake up or overnight if you are a night owl. Um, so whatever time works for volunteers, there will be volunteer opportunities available for them to come and support kids. Um, so like, when people think of kind of the issues that kids face nowadays, many think of online bullying or LGBTQ um, issues and that sort of thing. Um, are those the, like, are these among the most common issues that kids, kids help phone um, deals with or, or what are we seeing right now? 
Well, it's interesting. The number one reason that young people reach out to Kids Help Phone is around mental and emotional health. And what's interesting is I have the data from 1989, the first year we uh, started this service. And in 1989, the number one reason young people reached out was mental and emotional health. So that has not changed. What has changed is that we've seen an increase in the percentage of young people reaching out around that challenge. And we've also seen an increase in the number of young people reaching out around suicide or suicidal ideation. Um, certainly, you know, Kids Help Phone is here for any challenge young people are facing. And after mental and emotional health, the, the two other reasons that young people most often reach out to us are around family um, or parent concerns and then peer concerns. And so bullying is certainly up there as a cyberbullying, and young people reach out to us for all sorts of reasons. Um, but for our, um, for our counselors and for our volunteers, we want to make sure that they really feel comfortable handling the wide diversity of challenges young people are facing so that every young person gets the kind of support they need when they reach out to us. Thanks, Stacey. Coming up next, we're going to be joined in studio by Rick Frost, the CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation and obviously friend of the show. He's been on numerous times before. The foundation recently released their 2017 numbers, and we found out they distributed over $38 million back to the community. We're going to learn all about the 2017 that the Winnipeg Foundation had and what to expect in 2018 right after our next musical interlude. But before we get to that, here's Casey and the Su and the Sunshine Band with "That's the Way I Like It" right here on RC360.
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined by the CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation, Rick Frost. Rick, thank you so much for joining us again today. Great to be here, Robert. We're here to talk about 2017. It was a fantastic year for the Winnipeg Foundation. The foundation seems to outdo itself year after year, and this year in particular had some unprecedented results for the foundation. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the key numbers that defined this successful year for the foundation? Well, certainly, I think most uh, most people are always interested in the actual distributions they get out into the community. Uh, we supported over 900 charities with grants, um, and that is always uh, important because so many of them are grassroots organizations making a big impact on our community. A total of $38 million was distributed, which is a record-breaking year to us. It's up $6 million from last year, so we're very pleased, obviously, to be able to distribute more, and that's a reflection, I think, of you know, long-term generosity of Winnipeggers uh, for many, many years and um, and also very good returns. Our average returns in the last uh, five years are around 11%. And so if you can bring in 11% every year in your investment returns, you know, that does certainly have an impact on your ability to grant back to the community. And that kind of ties in with a the theme of strength in numbers, which is a theme at uh, this year's event. And that idea, strength in numbers, what does that mean to the foundation's work? Well, the Winnipeg Foundation is in many different areas of activity. It used to be identified largely as a place you'd make grant application for. If you have a particular community project you want to pursue, you need $10,000, you make an application to the Winnipeg Foundation, and we try to provide the money. And in the old days, you know, go back 30, 40 years, people tended to give gifts to the Winnipeg Foundation for our endowments, which were completely unrestricted, undesignated. And that meant the foundation had flexibility to respond to these applications when they came through the door. Today's donors are a lot more restrictive in terms of the gifts that they're giving. And so as a result, the kinds of activities that we're involved with are starting to change. Still about 25%, 26% of our uh, grants are responding to applications that come through the door. So of the $38 million, a good portion of that is in response to applications. But we have a very healthy number of agency funds, uh, funds that support organizations like Fort White Center or um, Manitoba Theater Center or whatever. Um, these are designated funds for those agencies, either created by donors or created by the agencies themselves. That makes up another 25%. We have a huge donor advisor uh, um, component of our work where donors are saying we want to be involved with the Winnipeg Foundation but we want to have influence on where the grants are going so that has an influence and you got scholarships you got work with rural Manitoba so there's a, a range of uh, different kinds of uh, funds uh, that we're involved with and then there's the leadership projects of the foundation itself and we're trying to show the public or tell the public these are the various things that the foundation gets involved with for so for something like you know, working on the St. Boniface Belvedere, a project that's going to be built on the Red River in the next uh, year or so, uh, major investment in public amenity space. And that's really driven, uh, again, by the foundation's leadership activity. So there's different things we're doing, um, and we're trying to report to the public, showing that diversity of activity. And one of the biggest and most important leadership projects of 2017 was Winnipeg's Vital Signs. At the annual celebration, there was actually a very big response, uh, a big announcement that the foundation made in response to the findings of Vital Signs. Can you expand a little bit more on that? Sure. Well, the Vital Signs report um, identified a number of major issues in the city. I think for overwhelmingly, the general sense is that Winnipeg is doing really well right now. People are feeling good about living in the city, but certainly there's charities that are that are um, struggling 
trying to provide the services um, that people are looking for. Um, and one of the areas in particular that we identified in that report is a reconciliation with the Indigenous community. There's a, It's a high priority in the minds of uh, Winnipeggers, um, and certainly uh, the Winnipeg Foundation is trying to respond to that. So we announced a special granting stream of a million dollars um, that we will distribute over the course of the next year to organizations that are trying to better understand how do we approach reconciliation. Um, there's a lot of education involved. I, I have two degrees in history, and I can tell you I never learned all kinds of things about what happened to the Indigenous community when I was going to school. And, and, and I, think the, uh, I think the importance now is to talk to people about what did the treaty say, how, do, how are they influencing today's society, you know, why is it that the Indigenous community got left behind in so many ways. So what we're trying to do is uh, empower the charitable sector to ask these kind of questions, learn a little bit more. We're walking into the fog together a bit on this. I think everybody's trying to figure it out and, um, and we're just trying to, I guess, facilitate others who, like us, are trying to figure it out. There will be more details on the process by the spring of 2018, I understand, and then the first grants, it, will it be in the fall that those will be awarded? Yeah, there's an advisory committee that's been um, structured. They have met, I think, three or four times already, and they're looking at criteria. We expect to have guidelines out uh, sometime probably in April, maybe maybe as late as May. Um, there will be workshops, as we always do with, uh, with various charities. Applications will come in. Hopefully, we would be in a position by October to announce grants. So we're working our way through a process. The Winnipeg Foundation is always uh, fairly diligent in, in making sure that we have thorough processes before we're spending money. So we're, uh, you know, we're working our way through that. Uh, but we do hope that certainly by this fall, we're in a position to start announcing grants. And speaking of grants, one year ago at uh, the 2016 annual celebration, the foundation had announced its pilot project, Multi-Year Community Grants Program. And so one year later, how has that impacted and affected local charities? Well, I'm quite excited by the change. Um, you know, as you say, one year ago, we sort of announced the concept. Uh, we're going to try to do three-year grants, uh, trying to provide support over the longer term. A lot of organizations are undertaking projects that um, you can't really do in one year. And uh, so the idea is to try to give a little more certainty of funding. People don't have to apply three times for one grant. They can just apply once. And I think it's working out really well. We only did 35 of them, so I don't want to overstate it in terms of how many there were done, but we certainly got started along this path. And we will be doing more in the course of uh, in, in the course of the next year, and trying to get more certainty of funding for some of the charitable organizations that do such important work in Winnipeg. That's so important for a lot of the programming that's provided, or even to build a, an organization's capacity. Because here, there's not sort of a 12-month clock where they're chasing additional funding just to make sure that that position can stay and that they can keep doing the work that they do. So that is very important. One thing that I wanted to talk about, the foundation is very keen on keeping up with trends in giving and philanthropy. And we know the Generosity Index was released not too long ago. And it's sort of the same story, although Manitoba is ranked number one in Canada. Giving has been declining now for a decade, both here and nationwide. So I'm wondering if you can speak to some of the things that maybe you're hearing from the charitable sector and where does the foundation see its role in trying to reverse that decline and keep encouraging Manitoba's culture of generosity? Well, there's lots of concern. I think uh, charitable organizations are stretched, uh, struggling. 
and um, we're certainly trying to understand the numbers as well as we can. Manitoba continues to lead the nation. That's the good news. I think we can all feel really good about that. Um, and it's been like that for many, many years. So, uh, so that's a really positive uh, element. The numbers, when they say they're in decline, it's the, the percentage of givers and the percentage of income. But income, you have to appreciate, is going up. Not, on, not only are people making more money each year, but in addition to that, there, you know, there are more people living in Manitoba. So a, as a result of that, the, the numbers can have a really mixed message. Uh, we're going to be putting out a report on this in the spring, looking at what's happening in the charitable sector, which hopefully people will have a chance to look at. But the, the general gist is that while giving rates are going down, the number of participants are going down, you know, we're relying more on older donors and that sort of thing, the actual number of dollars that are finding the way to their charitable sector um, are still going up a bit. So, so we want to make sure that everybody's clear because I think there is a bit of a mixed message going on. Um, and the a basic underlying point, I think, that really needs to be emphasized is Manitoba. Manitobans are generous. Manitoban, Manitoba leads the country in terms of generosity. But there are some challenges, and uh, certainly those challenges are having an impact on the charitable sector, and, and I think that'll be a, a major point addressed in our next strategic plan when it comes out in the fall. And so looking ahead to the Foundation's work in 2018 and beyond with the new strategic plan coming out, um, what are some of the Foundation's goals for the year ahead? Well, I don't want to sort of jump ahead uh, and, and sort of release what you know, we're thinking about our, for our strategic plan, but you know, the whole question of strengthening the sector is a, is a big question. How do, we, how do we support the charitable sector? That's fundamental to our role. Uh, we're obviously interested in building stronger stewardship systems. We have a lot of donors who are supporting the work of the foundation, and we want to be good stewards of the assets that we've received over the years. Community leadership is always going to be an issue for the Winnipeg Foundation. I mean, how do we exercise leadership um, in different ways that, uh, that, will inf- that will influence the quality of life we all enjoy? And, and then I guess, finally, we are an organization, so we've got to worry about our own effectiveness. You know, are we looking at our own administrative systems? Is our technology keeping pace? And all of those kinds of things. So, so as, as I look to the next strategic plan, I think, uh, you know, it's, a, it's exciting to think that we're in the process of developing this document. We've been in front of the board a couple of times discussing it broadly. Um, and uh, I'm hoping certainly by October, uh, when our ne- next fiscal year begins, that we will have a public document out there that people can see, all right, these are the priorities of the foundation. These are the things we're working on to make our city a better place, uh, sort of for good forever. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Rick, for speaking with me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, Pleased to be here, Robert. Thanks, Robert. And thanks again to Rick Frost, CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation. Up next, we're going to be joined in studio by Doug Darling. He's the executive director of Tripwire Media Group and also a returning coach of last year's Fast Pitch. Uh, competition. He was actually the coach of the winner of last year's competition, Chelsea Jallo of Sunshine House, who's been on the program as well. We're going to talk to Doug about his experience with Fast Pitch last year, uh, what he expects and what we can expect from this year's competition uh, as this week's event kicks off right, I think today or yesterday it got started. So before we get to that, here's Mantovani with For You right here on RC360.
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today, and we're now joined in studio by Doug Darling. He's the executive director of Tripwire Media Group and uh, returning, I guess, officially today, returning Fast Pitch Coach. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you are here not because you were a media giant, but because you're a fast <laughs> because you're a fast pitch uh, coach last year, and That's you're right. actually the winning fast pitch coach. So maybe just tell me a little bit about your experience uh, with fast pitch last year and what you're expecting this year. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. It was. Uh, we started it last January. It was uh, really uh, a great honor to be invited to be a part of it, and um, uh, we got to. Uh, I got to meet uh, a lot of other great coaches, and of course, then a lot of great organizations who uh, were all vying to win ten thousand uh, dollars in, uh, in 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 support of their cause. Um, and so uh, I I um, uh, got paired up with a wonderful woman named Alana Keefe, and uh, we. Um, after some, we called it, they called it kind of speed dating where we got to kind of, you know, find right fits for the organizations for each, you know, subjective coach there, um, that, uh, we ended up with Chelsea Jallo from, uh, Sunshine House. And then we just spent, um, uh, the, the next few months helping her craft a story, which was a pitch. It had to be three minutes long. Literally, if you, <laughs> if you go a second past three minutes, three minutes, they cut your mic. It's not suggested like so many events we've been to where you're given three minutes and you take 10 or 20. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, and I mean, we, we gave her some coaching. We, we got her to lead with story. That was very, very important. And, and, but really, it, it came down to, um, you know, she was incredibly charming. She was well-spoken, and she had a great cause. So um, she ended up winning $10,000, and, uh, yeah, by the end, we were so invested, it felt like I had a kid who had just won the prize. For or, sure. Or, or, like, a sister or something like that. Just so a proud was, papa looking up, up yeah, on Yeah, you know, yeah. It's beautiful. So <laughs> you, you mentioned story a little bit. Let's yep. talk Let's talk about that. Why do you think that that is the important part to, uh, to get to the bottom of when it comes to these organizations? Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, as human beings, we are just hardwired for story. We are connected to it, and that's how we make our decisions. That's especially uh, when we're talking not-for-profit, but really in, in any business and in a, or in any industry, everything from, from not-for-profit to B2B. And, and, and we are emotional beings that make our decisions based on that. So when you lead with the story, that's something we connect to. Uh, and then it's a well-crafted story. It's something that uh, a journey that we want to take, just even in three minutes. Super important that we are you know, uh, getting them intrigued at the beginning, hooking them. We're, we're, we're showing some desire and a problem that needs to be solved. And then, you know, trying to see, uh, work towards uh, what that problem is. So by that, the end, we really care about her, we, we, or him, uh, but, or, and we care about the cause and we want to uh, see that change. So we led very intentionally with that. And, uh, and, you know, I, I think it, uh, it worked really well. How did you feel when you learned about all these different organizations in the city and, <laughs> and, and what was happening in Winnipeg? How, like, were you surprised that there was this much good work going on in Winnipeg? It definitely made me check myself and uh, realize that I am uh, I, <laughs> I don't hold a flame to these uh, a lot of these people and uh, uh, how hard they work and how passionate they work um, for their organizations, how noble their causes are. It's truly inspirational. And I think everyone, regardless of a win or not, um, or even making it to the, the final, I think walked away with a full heart. It was it was really inspirational uh, to see this many different people in Winnipeg working towards such, uh, such wonderful uh, causes. So last year, you were, that was obviously your first time coaching. Mm -hmm. This is the third year that uh, Fast Pitch is happening here in Winnipeg. What have you learned over the last year that you're going to take with you uh, to this next iteration? Oh my! Um, I've just learned, uh, obviously, how the 
how the, the the process went. It was really cool from the from the meeting to the coaching to the um, uh, the, the seminars where they get some feedback from everyone. It was really collaborative. It, it, you know, there's obviously an element of competition there, but everyone was insanely supportive of one another. So I'm really just looking forward to um, you know taking what I learned. Uh, from last year and hopefully uh, being able to impart that on someone uh, this year and, and, and just enjoy myself and, and the people I meet. So the Fast Pitch finale is going to be taking place in a couple of months. Mm. What would you tell someone if they didn't come to the finale for the first couple of years, if just the general population wanted to come and check it out, what would you, how would you pitch that? You know what? Uh, come and get inspired. It, it really, in, in this day and age where uh, we're surrounded by negativity, there's a lot of just ridiculous things going on in this in this world mm-hmm. uh it's really good to uh, uh fill up your optimism cup and 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 get some really wonderful inspiration from some truly great people and great organizations well said yeah thank appreciate you. that <laughs> defending champion coach defending get, champion you're that's the defending right champ. good luck uh defending your I, title I, I brought a robe like like a boxer's <laughs> robe is that a little over no well, i like overkill? it yeah all right I, let's I do like this like the, dr- the dramatics and the theatrics you should walk in with the rick flair i have two hype men now oh, it's, it's beautiful it's gonna be great good luck this year uh doug darling is the executive director of tripwire media group and uh, like i said the defending champion from fast <laughs> Pitch Winnipeg. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Nolan. And thanks again to Doug Darling of Tripwire Media Group for joining us today. We've got time for some more music here on RC360. Here's Peter, Paul, and Mary with The Times They Are A-Changin' right here on River City 360.
Peter, Paul, and Mary with the times they are a-changing, and we've got time for one more tune before we say goodbye today. So let's play some Dick Hames with Helen Forrest with Oh, What It Seemed to Be right here on River City 360. It was just a neighborhood dance That's all that it was But oh, what it seemed to be It was like a masquerade ball with costumes and all cause you were at the dance with me It was just a ride on a train that's all that it was but oh what it seemed to be It was to the stars to Venus and Mars cause you were on the train That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in and a huge thank you to all of our guests for speaking with us today. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg listen to any of our past episodes or subscribe to our podcast you can visit our website. The address is rivercity360.org Again that's rivercity360.org River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we'd love to hear your feedback about the program. If there's anything that you would like to comment on or if there's a story idea that you have, maybe there's just a song that you'd like to hear, please give us a call on our listener line. It's open 24-7 and we would love to hear your feedback. The number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also send us an email, rivercity360 at wpgfdn.org. Or again, the listener line, leave a message 24-7. It's 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching at RiverCity360 on Twitter or RiverCity360 on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off and saying goodbye for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend. It was just a wedding in June That's all that it was Oh, what it seemed to be It was like a royal affair With everyone there Cause you said yes I do